0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Face-Off. It is another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff rolling on thanks to Eric Tangrady. Grady and we bring in the man sports director for Ninety Three Seven the fan Jeff Hathorne who has been all over the pens all year all around them covering all the storylines and all the angles and was there Thursday night in Columbus promptly covered the game and then got in his car and drove home. And then woke up this morning and one of the first emails he got was, yeah, we're firing everybody. Come on out to Cranberry and cover a story. And so Jeff will be doing that today. Thanks for making the time, Jeff. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. You know, we were tipped off a little of like, hey, um, make sure you're checking your email tomorrow. Yeah. So we had a little bit of a feeling. We just didn't know what the extent of the moves that were going to be made.
1: Well, the story you told on the fan morning show earlier today too, was great about you and Dan (laughs) Kungerski of Pittsburgh hockey. Now getting in the elevator at the same time as Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. And the two of them just looking like dead men walking. Yeah.
2: Oh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was before the game and we were both like, let them go. And Mm -hmm. the elevator attendants like, no, we got to get people like get in there. So we walked in and did the head nod and, uh, they just stared right through us. Oh man! And well, they knew I, it was coming. Listen, I, I don't think it was a lack of trying. Um, I I just think that their whole plan, the communication, the yeah, how
1: they attempted to do it, the execution was just bad. Well, let me start with the atmosphere in Columbus uh, Thursday night, um, and you're in the room covering it. So, just did the weight of this thing seemed to be settling in because it felt like it kind of happened in a slow, slow wave rather than a a flash flood and a tidal wave rolling in. It it hit them obviously on Tuesday night when they lost to the Blackhawks that it was probably over. But then the Islanders go out and win on Wednesday. um, And I I, I got the sense, you know, Jason Zucker saying that there wasn't much energy out there on Thursday night in Columbus, um, that it really sort of sunk in during that 24 hour period between the end of the Islanders' game and the end of their own game, and blowing yet another lead um, against a team that simply wasn't as good as them uh, in in the Blue Jackets, a team that was trying to lose right. to get an advantage in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, um, d- did it really sort of sink in finally as those guys walked back into the room on Thursday
2: night? So it's a long season,
1: you know. They they're training all off season for the most part. They
2: start in September. It's a really long year. They're dealing with peaks and valleys, injuries, all these things. And then the week this this week, holy cow, how did the Islanders lose to Washington? Like Washington is giving up. How did right. they lose that game? We got this. We got this. We're gonna roll in. It shirts off our back. It's Chicago. They're trying to lose. Mm-hmm. I think they don't want to win. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. Oh, it's one-nothing. Okay, we tied it up. Got that goal. Malkins fired up, we're going to finish this thing out, and then bam, motion changes 100%. You know, 100%. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, they go to a practice. You can kind of tell they're like, uh, But there's still a chance, because what the hell, they lost to Washington. Maybe they'll lose to Montreal. Right. And then Thursday, their morning skate consisted of three players on Thursday. Uh, not that they are all fully attended, but uh, and then you could see the game. I, I think they tried in spurts. Like, if there were odd man rushes, like, you could see the momentum. And and I don't think they ever dogged it. Um, but it was just weird. It was an exhibition game. Yeah. It was like being in Columbus for one of those exhibition games. And, I mean, I, as Sullivan said after, it's, it's hard to read anything into that game. Um, you can imagine how drained they were, how proud they are, and knowing that not only are they missing the playoffs, but they – had it in their hands and even with the losses, some of the bad losses in October, November, and the blown leads, Mm -hmm. they still got more chances and they just couldn't do anything with them.
1: Yeah. I got the sense in listening to some of the sound that you got watching some post-game clips that the weight of every single one of those blown leads or losses to teams that weren't as good as them or losses on the second half of a back-to-back or whatever it may be, all of those missed opportunities over the course of those seven months that you talked about all came, you know, I I said, it was kind of like a slow wave, but it was more like a tidal wave. Everything just sort of washed over them from late Wednesday night into Thursday night. Um, And it was, it was kind of like a numbing agent. And, And I wonder if these guys, if it'll really hit most of them and before they're back home, and and let's let's be real, it's easy for fans or media just
2: to look at it and say, oh, "Come on, what's the real chance to win the cup?" Have you seen the Rangers play? The Devils have a good lineup. Boston is playing incredible, but in that room, they still believed. Right. It, over the last four years, they believed that every one of those, and they can justify it, especially last year. You know what? If we had a goalie, we win that series, and they're right. And look, the Rangers went to the Eastern conference finals. All right. You know, we're, we're healthy. Our big guns are healthy. They're signed. You know, we, we feel good about this group. And yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think there was a big crash and, you know, when we walk into the room uh, to do interviews post game, it's, you know, it's like rats come in and everybody <laughs> scatters, which is probably a, probably an apt description of what they think of us. Right. Uh so, But, you know, I credit Zucker, who's a free agent, Latang, Crosby, Jari, and uh, Jari, who came back into the room, uh, who all talked to us.
1: Yeah, um, we'll get to him in a second. But it, oh, oh, a bigger sort of 50,000-foot question. How long is it going to take to get out of this hole that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have dug this organization over the last two-plus years?
2: I think, to be fair, you have to step back
1: to Jim Rutherford.
2: Yeah, Rutherford- very true rutherford played to win now and that's what i would have done if i was gm i'm not blaming Mm -hmm. him but at some point that bill comes due and it's starting to come due for this team when you trade all those draft picks uh you you try to you know you make a brassard move which at the time made sense yeah but man that was your goalie that was your guy um and and those things happen in those moves and and they're paying for i mean Man, this AHL roster, bereft I mean, of, of any
1: prospects.
2: I mean, and they've had some things, Sam Poulin dealing with some some mental uh, issues, and I hope I wish him the best. Uh, but Ray doesn't look like he's going to be an NHL, or if he is, he might be a bottom line, Zach Aston Reese type. I mean, yeah. some of these guys, they, I, I think they miss scouted, which happens. I mean, you don't get every draft right. Uh, but when you have only so many picks, you have to hit on them. And they haven't. And uh, it, it's, that's, you know, not only to fill in roster spots on the Penguins, but you got nothing to enticing to trade. Right. If you're looking for somewhere else, uh, now, this new, now this new GM team is going to come in, whoever it ends up being, and they're going to have about 16 million probably in cap room with a lot of big decisions to make. And then they got to figure out, okay, which of these guys can we buy out? Because is it better to just not even have a few of those players?
1: Yeah, and there's buyout candidates. There are unrestricted free agents. There are – got a possible retirement in the mix with Carter. Um, You've got trade possibilities. As we look at climbing out of the hole, I mean, what's – if you had – if I put you in the seat, in the chair for a day to sort of set the course going forward – I mean, it's hard to, to prioritize all of this, but I think my priorities would be let's buy out Granlin, let's buy out Petrie, uh, clearly overspent on him, clearly gave up too much in Granlin for a guy who's just wallpaper. Um, let Dumoulin, Kulikov, and Benino walk. See if you can convince Jeff Carter, if he hasn't been convinced already, that his time is up. Um, not that that'll necessarily help you on the cap, because right. when he signed the deal, he was 35-plus. Um, and then lean into re-signing Jason Zucker, lean into finding a goaltender in any way possible because they're going to have to get creative uh, and think outside the box for that. And that that would be, I guess, sort of my action plan going into right. the offseason. I, I don't, does that all make sense so, to you or do you, do you yeah, look at it, it from does. a different perspective?
2: I, I agree with that. And I would say this, if I'm the GM, uh, I bring in Crosby, Malkin, Latang. They're your core. You have identified them. They're the guys you're going forward with. Maybe even Jake, if you want to include him, because his contract's going to be coming up after next year mm-hmm. and just say, listen, here's our plan. We've got to get younger. We've got to get younger players, which doesn't mean we're giving up, but we think in order to, for Mike Sullivan's system to work, we're going to go away from some of these experienced guys. We're going to lean on you guys to teach them, to show them the way. Um, and you've got to buy in that it's okay that there's going to be guys that you don't know, because we've got to make this transition uh, and make sure that they buy in, that they're not giving up or that they're not going into a full rebuild. That's what I would do. And that's what I would hope the next general manager would do because, you know, hanging on with the, with, with some of these guys, even Zucker at 31, depending on what he's looking for, if someone offers him
1: like 6 million a year, yeah, it might be time to let him walk as well.
2: And, and I love the way he plays. Don't get me. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if you can get two guys at three million a year that are younger and up and coming, or or you can outbid get some
1: teams on restricted free agents, I would rather go in that direction. I, I think that brings up a good question too. Of um, you know, it, it, for example, I'll bring up Brian Rust because I think he's a great trade candidate in the off season. But you're also trading, trading low, low on, on trust. Rust. So if you're if you're trading low on rust, uh, are you going to get enough in return? Um, a guy with what five years left on his deal at five, over five million a piece, something like that. Um, you know, plus you're talking about a guy who both Crosby and Malkin are comfortable with and know how to play right. with. Um, I, I just wonder. When you talk about getting younger and it's going to take trades to do that, it's yes, they have to get younger, they have to get faster. They've got to find more kneelanders of the world. Um but they can't give up a kneelander or a Petterson for that matter. You know, Petterson's 26, future top-line defense top-pairing defenseman for you someone to play alongside Chris Letang in his waning years. You right. can't trade that guy who's at a pretty affordable 4 million dollars a year. So I I between the buyouts that are necessary, the trades that might be necessary. And then, Oh, let's, let's lump on top there. The goaltending situation as well. It's, it's, there's a lot that has to be done.
2: It's a tough job. And listen, there's, there's pluses to anyone applying to be the Penguins GM, Um, their history, their tradition, but what is going to be the new tradition with this ownership group? Are they going to be the same special group that does goes in above and beyond and, does extra things for people's families that we've heard so much about over the mm-hmm. years. Like, is that going to be part of this or is it going to be just a very corporate, you know, environment that's, environment that's much yeah. different than what we've seen. And no matter who you bring in, you're you're saddling them with all of these problems that are not easy fixes. And, you know, for as much as Burke and Hextall screwed up, not all of it is on them. It's not just their mistakes as to why they're in this and, Switching GMs is not going to make them, you know, the New York or the New Jersey Devils or New York Rangers or Boston Bruins, for that matter. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: So let's ask that question then, who is next? Um there, I I kind of I've broken it out in my head to sort of three or four different criteria that I think people fall under groups classifications that people fall under. There are the pens people, right? Jason hmm. Botterell, who you mentioned um, Ryan bonus, who was uh pro Good scouting accounting. director yeah. um, and is young too, just yeah. 39, I believe. Uh, you know, there's some people who say, well, I, why not make a run at bringing Patrick Alvin back? I don't know if he has interest after just being on the job for a year in Vancouver and coming back here. Although we know Vancouver has been a bit topsy turvy. Um, that that's one group, tens people. There's another group of the people who are quote unquote connected, right? Um, a Matthew Darsh, for example, uh, a Lawrence Gilman, who's a little older, 58, uh, but has ties in the league, uh, is in Toronto, a Maple Leafs guy, Ray Whitney, who's, uh, a, a little older as well, just cresting 50, but obviously is a former player, Ryan Martin is 50 ish as well. So there's the, I would. I wouldn't say they're all old boys network guys, but, you know, established names from around the league that people recognize. There's the upcoming uh, group, the up and coming group, uh, and Eric Tolsky from Carolina, who's 42, the AGM who interviewed for the Blackhawks job last year. There's a raft of women candidates, possibly female candidates, Emily Castonguay in Vancouver, Megan Duggan in New Jersey, um, Alex Mandricki in Seattle. Cami granado also mm. in vancouver mm-hmm. um and then there's one other classification that i have off to the side up here in the corner just sort of lurking jeff much the way this name lurked near the situation the last time they were looking for a gm pre-jim rutherford post Ray Shiro, and no it's not pierre oh um, i know i saw the gleam in your eye <laughs> i was gonna call you christopher <laughs> <laughs> pat brisson if you're looking at a way at, at trying to not placate—that's a bad word—but trying to engender goodwill and good faith with Sidney Crosby in his waning years, there could be worse ways to do it than bringing his agent in as the GM, which they tried to do, like I said, almost 10 years ago now, when they moved from Shiro to Rutherford. That's an outlier, I'll admit, but it's one I kind of have kind of up here in the corner here that I can't, my peripheral vision. And then there's those other three groups. Um, what path do you think they go down? It's hard to tell because like you said, yeah. it's Fenway and we don't know how they're viewing this and and they don't have a track record in hockey. Um, do they lean on someone local like a, a Kevin Acklin? I don't know. He's more of a business guy. Are you going to ask right. him to make that decision? Um, this is well, This is not their expertise. This is not the year to hire a business
2: person as GM because they have so many hockey moves to make And it's Mm -hmm. different than, say, Omar Khan, who is a business guy and and surrounds himself with really good people. The Steelers have done a nice job, I think, in that regard. But I think you need to have a strong hockey person. Mark Bergevin is a guy. If Mario were still involved in the franchise, which he is no longer, um, that would be someone that would be intriguing to me because he's had a lot of experience. Uh, I think it's got to be somebody – well, it can't be Danny Breer – Oh, no, imagine no. another flyer coming here. Like we can wash that one off. Uh, I'm really intrigued by Cameron Renato. I, I know the name. I, I think because of the name, you don't have to placate the fans, but I think mm. the fans be like, Oh, I I've heard of her. Right. At least most of them have. I remember I think, her brother. Yeah. Yeah. I think the people in the room and remember uh, Amanda Kessel has spent a year interning with the Penguins this year. Oh, yeah. And Amanda's been around. I don't think she's ready for this job. But my point is they've been around someone that was a really good female hockey player. I think there's some grown respect because of her being around. Not that they didn't right. respect them, but you get what I'm saying, that bringing in a cami is not a shock of like, wow, this is this is something that has never been done in the NHL before. She obviously has a lot of knowledge. It would be who you would surround her with. But that's someone to me that's kind of an inspiring new uh, person that you could support with other people. Um, I like the idea of youth, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not opposed to someone that has been in this type of situation before. Problem is you don't hear about that much because it's almost impossible to get out of this situation. You know, Detroit thought they had, they had it figured out, you know, they're, they're hockey town. Like right. They're not gonna have a stretch. I mean, they're they're in the playoffs every year. Well, how long has it been? You know, Chicago yeah. has fallen apart. It's it's not easy. Um, so this is a re- it's a really tough call. I, I mean, I think Botterill is a really good GM, but I, I for me, I would want someone from outside the organization. I I think it's time to find I, I thought Rutherford was a good hire from the outside. And I think it's time to hire from the outside again. Bring some different ideas, because I, I don't, I don't love any of the candidates, uh, even though there are some experience um, of people that have the well, ties.
1: And and please,
2: no Ray Shiro part two.
1: No, yeah, I, I've I, I, I kicked that one to the curb as soon as I, I as soon as it fleeted across. Love Ray, floor. great job. Yes. How good. many times do reunions work? Never. We've seen it. Never. Um, times. The, the, another name I should have included, actually, I just thought of this because I talked to some people about him this morning uh, as a pens person, even though he is up in Buffalo now, um, is Sam Ventura. I, I saw Jesse mm. Marshall mention him last night. Patrick damp mentioned to him, him to me this morning. My only question with Sam would be, and, and this is not a knock against him because I don't know Sam and I don't know where his experience in Buffalo has taken him to be quite honest is, is it still all about the the analysis and the research that stuff's fantastic and especially right. with a coach who wants speed and skill I think those two things mesh well the question is who then is going to be the person to rub elbows at a GM meeting Um, who's going to play sort of the Brian Burke role uh, the hobnobber for lack of a better way to put it who's going to network does Sam have those relationships around the league because Ultimately, it's, it's still going to come down sometimes to, okay, it's deadline day and we've got to make a move and I've got to pick up the phone and be able to call guys that are comfortable with me and I'm comfortable with them. As much as this is about building around the core and you can do that with statistical analysis and everything Sam has come up with when he was a part of the Penguins organization, can you pick up the phone and call somebody and they trust you because you've built a relationship with them to get something done?
2: Here's another question. Will the Fenway group be willing to spend... To hire multiple gms and what i mean by that is someone that has the gm title right but then how much are you going to spend for your director of scouting assuming mm-hmm. that you know that's a different person how much are you going to spend for your assistant gm and those people have to have roles again because it's i think most people understand it like from the steelers standpoint omar has a role yes they have other guys that have roles they need to have mm-hmm. that to find, I think the Hextall Burke was always a weird thing of like, who's in control, whose plan is it? They can't have that this time. Just a strong GM and then people under him or her um, that can do their jobs and they can work well together. And uh, I, I would not involve any of the the core in this process. Um, but like I said, as soon as that person is hired, they need to sit down with those. Because the the first thing they need to do, I think even before Sullivan gets on board with what they're talking about, is they've got to make sure that those players are on board with what they're thinking.
1: Good point. And then I think the first move personnel-wise anyway, you know, we mentioned the priorities earlier and how do you clear cap space and all that is the elephant in the as I called it earlier with Eric. Yeah. Um You've got to figure out the goaltending situation because that is the difference in my opinion. And look, there was a lot of holes in this team, a lot of problems with the roster and all that uh, performance by guys on the depth lines. Um, But if you have better goaltending, healthier goaltending, maybe and better goaltending, you're probably getting ready to play the Bruins and who knows how long that would last. It might only be a week and a half, but um, better goaltending, I think makes up a big part of this and they have, it's makes up a big part of the last five years, really and the shortcomings of these you know five straight years of, of of not having a a victory a series victory in the Stanley Cup playoffs so how do they how do they handle that that is going to be the most difficult part of this offseason i think
2: yeah uh, how do they handle that uh, that <laughs> that no it, oh, it's it's a big part of of what they're doing this offseason listen tristan Jari at times tantalized you and i think before he got hurt for a lot of the first half of the season, he was a top tier goalie. I'm not saying one, two, three, but he was top ten. I think mm-hmm. that's fair. His numbers were all there. Uh, he was playing some good hockey, and then when the injuries happened, he was he was different. The problem is we've seen the injuries now a few times, uh, and that is a concern with him. Uh, you don't have there isn't a free agent market that where there's somebody yeah. that wows you, unfortunately, and and I think it. it you don't need to have a $10 million a year goalie or even a seven or $8 million a year goaltender to have success. Um, I think the reason that some of these Boston goalies, and I like Swayman for instance, is a restricted free agent. That's intriguing to me to make a a play for him, but is he good because they have really good play in front of him Um, as, as much as it, and I'm talking in circles because I can understand a part of bringing Jari back uh, because I don't think he was always helped. Um, but I also think the injury, I, I just think it's time for a fresh start. You're bringing in a new GM, let the GM help pick his his general manager um, or his general manager, have the GM pick his goalie and kind of go from there. But it's not, a, it's not an easy decision. And much like with the forwards or defensemen, there is no option in the minor league system. Philip Gustafson's a restricted free agent too. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> but I, but I think my thing with Boston though is I don't know with Swayman being the backup. Yeah. How much are they willing? You know, if you offered him four million a year, I don't think Boston's going to match that.
1: No, and, and and they don't have to with Mark. You're yeah. right. They, they they're they're solidified in that spot. Especially if they go on a deep run this year, they're not going to. You're right. They, they're going to be okay having their second goaltender poached, if that's the case. That they feel like they can get by without him,
2: right? And if they feel like they play the type of system where they could put in nearly anybody and have success. I mean, look at that Ottawa goalie who basically was an ECHL goalie who held the Pens to one goal. Why? Because he saw every shot. Yeah. So as much as it is the goalie, and and that is, they've also got a find some pieces that can help clear out those spaces because uh, there were several times where Jari stunk, but it wasn't all on Tristan.
1: Jeff, thanks for making the time. I know you got a, a boogie to Cranberry to cover what should be an interesting press conference. We get to talk to one of the ownership group. Ooh, I didn't know they were real. I thought they were figments know, right? of our imagination. Um, this might this might last an hour. We have, <laughs> we have a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't suspect there will be a lot of answers though. A lot Last of tap- question. <laughs> I, f- I foresee a lot of tap dancing, but best of luck to you and everyone else out there trying to dig things up. Uh, thanks for again, for making the time today, man. Thanks, Chris. That man constantly covering events in Pittsburgh, Jeff Hathorne, sports director, 93, seven, the fan uh, was in Columbus on Thursday night, covered the game, gathered the sound, wrote the stories, Drove home, got a little shut-eye, woke up, and is now on his way to Cranberry to cover what should be a very interesting uh, press conference uh, in Cranberry from Fenway Sports Group, Uh, and uh, perhaps, I I doubt, we'll get very little. Uh, You'll be listening to this podcast after the press conference. The reason I'm comfortable recording this now and giving it to you uh, is because I doubt that they will say very much, if at all. about the direction of things. It's just going to be a lot of platitudes about, we thank uh, Brian and Ron for their service and new direction and results weren't satisfactory, all that kind of stuff. Um, I imagine that's what you'll get this afternoon, but credit to Jeff for heading out there and trying to get more answers uh, as he always does. Thanks to you as well. You know, we're going to probably dial it back to an episode or two per week during the playoffs and the off season of fifth Avenue face-off but by all means, there won't be any shortage of news. We've got a GM search. We've got a very active off season. I would imagine. The Stanley Cup playoffs, as Tango mentioned earlier, uh, to keep an eye on and talk about and what that may mean for the direction of the Penguins. Because, look, major professional sports, they're copycat leagues, right? You see something work in the playoffs, you say, hmm, maybe we could do that. Maybe you see some guys in these playoffs who, hmm, we'd like to have him. Uh, so plenty to talk about there. And then... Before you know it, it'll be mid to late June. We'll be talking draft. It'll be uh, free agency time, early July. And then after that, not much longer before the season, at least training camp gets started again. Be sure to, if you haven't already, in your Odyssey app, just tap follow up in the corner there. uh, And you will get notified of new episodes as soon as they are available of Fifth Avenue Face Off, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Subscribe, download, listen. Like, rate, review—all those things—we appreciate them. Um, and also, YouTube. You know, if you're watching, if you can see my face right now, I'm pointing to it with my fingers. Uh, what else would I point to my face with? My toes? I'm not that flexible. Um, then you know to subscribe to 937 The Fan on YouTube, and you'll get the newest episodes of Fifth Avenue Face Off as soon as they're available there as well. Just tap that little notification bell, and that will happen. Until next time, friends. Keep it here. We're going to have a very, very busy spring and summer on Fifth Avenue Face Off.